0: To the Wine That Take podcast, I'm your host, um, Jay Prubs, and I'm Dr. Cash. And today, we're going to be recapping some um World Cup soccer, um, just recapping the group sta- uh knockout stages, um, round of 16, and um, we're also going to be diving into a little bit of NFL um craziness. So, first off, um, starting with going to Qatar, starting with the World Cup, I mean, first game, USA loses, disappointing performance to say the least um i mean there were chances yeah obviously america it wasn't it was a complete blowout like we might have seen um in some of the other matches but um we definitely we definitely lost we definitely were netherlands played better than us i think that's just what it came down to
1: yeah and i feel like honestly um that's kind of how things are expected when like a traditional or not traditional like um team outside of Europe like America goes up to face a European team that's kind of an expectation because Netherlands they were did a quite well job at um utilizing their talent you know early on they uh-huh. that that goal they scored uh with Depay it just seemed too easy that was
0: so uh nice.
1: yeah their counter attacking was amazing they were able to control the ball for the most part, avoid silly mm-hmm. mistakes, and um, at the end of the day, like their playmakers made plays. And for the US, it, it just didn't happen. But yeah, I think that that's just kind of a result of what you get because just these European teams are mm-hmm. monsters. And the um, mm-hmm. credit to the USA for getting that to that that far, but I mean, I I just didn't see a way for them to get through in, in Netherlands did a perfect job of like you know shutting all the outside noise uh down.
0: Yeah. For sure. There's definitely outside noise because you're going up Amer- against American. There's just this whole like social media context and everything. Yeah. Um so there's there's that and then I I also want to dive into two of our uh, pen games. Um in the round of 16. First you have Japan Croatia um which went went 1-1 to pens and then today we had morocco spain go zero zero to pens so first off with japan croatia that was not i would say the game was amazing i mean it was tight you could tell both teams were basically they were fighting for their lives right but then when it got to pens i feel like japan just didn't have that that it factor kind of in the penalties they didn't have that like i feel like croatia had that that it factor like they just yeah, they like had every
1: team has a confident player at least, and, and Japan mm-hmm. just wasn't confident when they stepped up to the ball. Yeah, and, and that that and, also is just kind of what happened with Spain
0: too. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I think before we get on to Spain, I think Croatia just had those. I feel like bigger time players. I mean, even if you want to talk about it, they didn't have they didn't have Perisic and they didn't have Modric, but they had guys like Brozovic who have played in Europe, kind of on that bigger sk- stage. That I feel like Tokyo. Sorry, Japan might be lacking a little bit. Um, so I think that's that's where I can I I would assume, and also because Japan hasn't been playing on these higher stages. I mean, Croatia they made Euro semifinals, right? And they made it to the World Cup final, right? Um, so I think I mean, you if you make it to the World Cup final when they, like they did, you're gonna have this kind of experience, and I think that's that's what really helped them out. Especially in a crunch time situation like this,
1: yeah, and I think they have two, maybe three players that play in Europe, but like, and one mm-hmm. of them is a defender, so you really don't have that much experience against top notch goalies when it comes up to to take the penalty. And there's really like Japan played really well; they they played a really good World Cup, and yeah, honestly, I feel like <clears throat> especially in that um, before extra time, they deserve to win that game, but. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. that experience factor came in huge for Croatia because they knew where they wanted to go. They were confident. It really didn't look yeah. like they were second-guessing themselves.
0: And, and it looked um, like Japan might have been 2nd guess. They, they weren't as confident. You could tell some of those balls were slower, not as direct. Yeah, and, and that, when,
1: when it gets to your head, that all that uh, pressure during a penalty, mm-hmm. especially for a team that doesn't have – yeah. This kind of experience—it's really just it—it it sucks for them because they played so well as an underdog. But that's just mm-hmm. where experience I mean, they, comes into play, and in it and it's building. It's only up from here for them.
0: Exactly. When you have big wins against uh, Spain and Germany, I think it just that in itself is a victory for the country as a whole. Um, and I want to move on now to the Morocco Spain um game that was. Which, in my opinion, was crazy. I mean, Spain didn't hit a single penalty, and when you think about it, that's this is a Spanish team that's made up of players that you would think in that big time moment would step up and make make it. But like guys like Busquets were were missing penalties, and I mean that just credit to Morocco. Bonu was played amazing in goal, Um, and then you just had Ziyech Hakimi with that Penenka. penalty was just crazy um but yeah all credit due to morocco but like how does spain like how do what, what do they do after this because that was a not a good win at all yeah
1: it's a terrible way to go out and um now it's been they've only won one of their last five competitive penalty shootouts no player no. none of the four players that took the penalty had confidence and you could just tell they were all like second-guessing, and that Moroccan keeper just got to their head. Um, And I think he's going to have a job in Europe soon at a good club. Um, But besides that, like, yeah, Spain's had a history of struggling in penalty shootouts, didn't have Morata, who I felt would have been amazing for that. Um, Busquets, I, I thought he was an automatic make wasn't able to put it through and they, they were all just lacking confidence. None of them were like either big, powerful shots in one direction. They were just too easy for the keeper to guess. And, and it's crazy to say yeah. with the team with that experience, because all of those players have played in the biggest mm-hmm. games, the biggest tournaments in Europe. And when you're not able to, to, to win a penalty shootout, number one, but number two, multiple times, because they also got, knocked out a penalty shootouts at the euros i believe um yeah so it i don't i don't know if it really comes down to the manager because luis enrique is i I feel one of the best managers in the world but something's wrong with that spain squad and what they what they lack i feel is i would say a veteran but they have it and they have talent so I, i i really honestly don't know what they lack it's just it's just a big problem. Penalties are just a big problem for them, and they always have been.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think it's just... It's also a testament how they didn't score a single goal, even though it was crazy. It was like they had like 80% possession or something Yeah, like and, and great, think, great chances. Exactly. And I mean, Morocco had great chances, too. I feel like in the second half, especially, Morocco was countering, and you could, they had chances. Both teams had chances, but I think Spain just... The, it i feel like teams have kind of figured them out i mean you see japan germany and now morocco they after they beat costa rica 7-0 i mean it kind of just teams started figuring out how to beat that high possession games um and i think that was possibly the downfall for this spain team and now i, I just wrapping up world cup round of 16 um i want to go over some of the bigger victories um some of the higher higher tier teams i mean you have brazil winning 4-1 england winning 3-0 france winning 3-1 and then portugal today 6-1 thrashing of switzerland without cristiano ronaldo i mean what, what do you have to say about that cash
1: man it's a surprising result i think to a lot of people um one ronaldo being benched i feel like that's for a manager who's known him for Seven plus years, um, it really speaks volume to to soccer fans that Ronaldo just he he might not even be a shell of himself anymore. Like it, it's really bad at this point to where he's mm-hmm. getting put in on at garbage time in World Cup qualifiers, where it's his last one, his last chance to bring home yeah. uh, a World Cup, and he and he's getting benched, and his replacements scored the first hat trick. In this year's tournament, in this year's World Cup, so I I really feel that Ronaldo's age is getting to him, and it's it mm-hmm. getting to his performance. I wouldn't say it's gone as far to affect the team, like from a point of being a locker room cancer, but yeah, at the end of the day, Portugal have their guy, they have their goal scorer now. I feel, and I see no reason that they go back to Ronaldo. In the quarterfinals, semifinals, and however yeah, much longer they exactly. go, because it, he's just not productive and he's not helping the team.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure, I think when you have someone like, I mean, Ronaldo, he's obviously he's not going to be a can- locker room cancer because it's Portugal is his country. He's he said like, I want, I just want this team to win, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, when you have someone like Ramos, who Goncalo Ramos, who can just come in hasn't played basically at all in the world cup right and just Mm -hmm. bangs three goals one assist i mean that's just and it's the whole team just seemed to be flowing better i mean you you got so many like felix had a goal and an assist i mean no two assists sorry fernandez had an assist the whole team i feel like was just clicking on all cylinders and i mean ronaldo not being in the squad i mean that's a big omission right but i think at the same time, you have to look at this Portuguese squad and be like, is this our optimal lineup? Because I feel like Ramos is just bringing something more to the table that Ronaldo was not. Um, and I think as a Portugal team, after he just bangs in a hat-trick, you can't sit, you can't put him on the bench anymore because he's just, he's shown this already. And I think... Yeah, there, there's just the, no good reason to. Exactly. I, th- I think that's that's the going to have to make a decision um and i think you're definitely putting ramos back out there but it's like do you play ronaldo next to ramos do you play maybe felix and Lay out wide i don't know it's some something that has to give um and i think um there's a plethora of attacking options on this portuguese team it's just how how do you deploy them and do you play the best players um, or the players that might get the biggest headlines or you play the players that are in form that are banging goals for you um and yeah that's basically the biggest question around that Portuguese team yeah
1: I, I think that they've pretty much already made the decision and it's obvious like for any team that you'd rather win than make headlines and um, mm-hmm. I think that Ronaldo is just like at this age his pace isn't there I think his striking is still there from where it was in his prime but the pace isn't there. Playmaking isn't uh-huh. there. Finding other teammates is it, it's just and there's just better
0: options. There's just yeah, it, options.
1: Like, and yeah, it's, it's clear is. because it's Portuguese team. Like when they have Ramos up front, he has pace,
0: he has the skill. Um, Felix yeah, has, has like the they... skills to deliver the mm-hmm. ball. Yeah, I, I feel like they have these younger options who are, um. Who are performing better than Ronaldo? That's basically it. They're, they're yeah, playing better, and and on top of that, the Switzerland
1: team is known for their defense. Yeah, and Portugal yes. put up six mm-hmm. goals on them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I mean, go as far to say Ronaldo's the problem, but I mean, you have a better striker, um, mm-hmm. and it, and it just seems to work out. Like I think you'd rather get as far as you can. Whether making every sacrifice that you have to versus playing Ronaldo, uh, making headlines, if that's what it is, and
0: potentially missing out
1: on some uh, big games and trophies.
0: Yeah, because as if you're Ronaldo, you just have to, I feel like this is the one situation where he might accept that where he'd be like, because I feel like at this point, he just wants to win a World Cup, right? And so I think that's, that's his biggest, biggest push um to oh, accept sure. the decision um yeah and i i think it's just also i think it might be just blown out of proportion because he is ronaldo because he gets all that national just national te- television national news just him being benched just makes the headlines um and mm-hmm. there's nothing you can really do about that yeah it's yeah the,
1: like you said perfect said like as from a media perspective like he's going to make every headline like he has to it's going to gain the most attention mm-hmm. um yeah but i feel like portugal's done a great job of you know sort of blocking it out because keep in mind as as they were getting to, to qatar was around the, the time that united yeah th- that whole thing happened i think they've done a great job um with i believe they have two manchester united players on that team you know they'd have, they've done a great job of staying mm-hmm. away from that drama and moving on and they're looking really, really
0: dangerous right now. Yeah, for sure, and I think that just sums up a lot of the drama around the World Cup. And I think, I think now we can um, move into the NFL scores. Um, so NFL scores, NFL um, headlines, um, and first off, I I want to talk about the whole um, the whole Zach Wilson situation because I just find that so encapsulating so interesting so just to give you a rundown for anyone who doesn't know it's basically zach white or no zach wilson Yeah. yeah zach wilson has been has played really bad um in a few bad games he had one in particular where he threw for like two total yards of offense in the second quarter um and basically took no accountability for it after the game in the press conference um the jets bench wilson bring in mike white and this the team, the Jets, almost immediate switch, outpour of support for Mike White, Garrett Wilson going as far as to say that guy like has it. I would go to war for that guy. I mean, what does this tell you about Zach Wilson's control? Because may I remind you, he was a number two overall pick in that draft, picked over uh, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields. So what what does that say about this guy?
1: I think it's just the ego at the end of the day, like the accountability when the reporter asked him if um what was it, if he let the defense down yeah. scoring zero points in the second half. He says no. As a young quarterback who hasn't really done anything in his NFL career, to say that is is it's just crazy. It's really something that no fan has ever heard of. And uh, I, I think that uh, Rob Salah did a great job there of benching him immediately and Mike White seems mm-hmm. to be the better replacement the better quarterback for this Jets team because they're in a position that they've never been in or not that they haven't been in in almost a decade if not longer they're finally in playoff contention as of right now they'd be in the wild card Mike White has this offense actually moving down the field scoring touchdowns Garrett Wilson's playing some of the best football he has all season with mike white yeah and I, I i it goes to show that just how just how much of a influence he has on this team mike white does mm-hmm. and how much of a negative influence zach wilson did and there yeah. might have been stuff even before that
0: um For reporter sure. asked I mean, the question yeah and i think you saw that with um, elijah mitchell um if i'm not mistaken going out stating he wanted the trade saying like the whole the whole locker room situation isn't good and i think that's that just kind of he saw it um i think now now you're seeing the full extent to like Zach Wilson just yeah he just i don't i don't think he's either i think he has the physical tools right I mean there's a reason he's pick number two but I think if he needs to work on his leadership his just being a whole team player, I think that's that's what he's getting from being benched. Um, hope that's what Salah hopes. Um, Coach Salah hopes that Zach Wilson will learn because if he can't, then he's he's not going to cut as a starting quarterback because you need the the respect of your teammates, and he just didn't have that up until now. Yeah, and and
1: Salah had the belief in him For, mm-hmm. with belief of Wilson even when he was injured, you know, after Joe Flacco led the New York to that comeback win in week two, he said, we're going to stick with Zach. He's the future. He's the young guy. And for it in like five, six weeks, for it to just go downhill that, that quickly, it's it's crazy, especially for a young kid who is uh-huh. as talented as Zach Wilson was. But it's fun to see this Jets team actually, you know, be excited and um, all sure. be be around and supporting their quarterback because they've they haven't been in this position in a long long time and for them to actually be able to play in a playoff game would be special
0: yeah for sure i think um you see it with like just the numbers i mean garrett wilson is putting up crazy numbers i know i specifically haven't won a few fantasy teams and um i definitely am starting him when mike white is starting because he seems to get the ball it seems like just like the offense runs better through him. And I think that's, that might, that's possibly where all of this is stemming from, but I think it's just Zach Wilson needs to get a control of the locker room. And I don't know when he'll do it because he can't do all a backup quarterback. Um, but Jets need to figure out something because yeah, because they can't have, they, that would just basically be them wasting their number two overall pick, um, which I think is just crazy. Um, but Moving on to other storylines, um, do you want to talk about? Because I know you're a big Cowboys fan. Do you want to talk about their absolute thrashing of the Colts, fifty-four to nineteen? Yeah, I mean,
1: why not? It's that was that was really fun to watch, and and it really goes to show like the potential of this team going down mm-hmm. in the postseason. Who knows? Maybe there will be OBJ, maybe not. But to score 50-54 yeah. points. On a Colts defense that is known for being like pretty solid, is and I think thirty three in this fourth quarter alone
0: is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's why not let's let's jump into that. Yeah, for sure. And I want to specifically talk about um, what you're saying about the OBJ rumors. Um, I mean, we saw him, uh, Diggs, and uh, Micah Parsons at the Mavs game um, last night. So do you think do you think it's happening? Because I mean. Mm-hmm. That would just make this team even more dangerous. I I'd
1: certainly say the Cowboys are the favorites right now, but from a health perspective, I think uh what we saw today was that he he might not even be ready by mid January, mm-hmm. like considering his results from the physical. So Yeah. And he's looking for a multi year deal. So for the, the Cowboys to commit to him, um, where he potentially wouldn't be ready unless the Cowboys made the Super Bowl. It's kind of hard to, like, accept that. But at the same time, like, the depth that the receiver position isn't there. It's not like it used to be last yes. season. So you add OBJ, and at least for next season, you have CD as your receiver one, OBJ, Michael Gallup, and then you got Noah Brown, um, Cavante yeah. Turpin, all of that. But mm-hmm. adding OBJ, I feel like, is a huge factor because when a team has – three solid dependable receivers that that's when you can basically um maximize the talent of your quarterback and his throwing options because on top of that you have you have one of the best running back duels in the league with Zeke and Pollard so I think signing OBJ really would bring like an extra look to this offense and three receivers that defenses need to prepare for but from a health perspective like it, it, it's kind of risky signing him into a multi-year deal when he's not going to play this season, most likely, mm-hmm. if the reports yeah. are
0: true. For sure. I think it's definitely a risk um, that you're going to have to take because he's has that injury um, concern. You don't know um, what he's been doing. You don't know if he's completely healthy. But I think as a Cowboys like front office, just getting another – receiver like OBJ I mean we saw what difference he made in the Super Bowl I mean the Rams were absolutely cruising with him because they had Cooper Cup they had they had OBJ he he played like he he had a great game at least in that first half um and I mean when you bring him into that Cowboys wide receiver room there's always going to be someone open because if you have three guys and there's no team in the league that has three cornerbacks that can cover CD, Michael Gallup and OBJ. Mm-hmm. And it's just not possible. Exactly. Um, and I think that's, if if you get OBJ, it just opens up all those opportunities.
1: Yeah. And I think, I don't think like an opportunity like this is going to come up for Dallas because, mm-hmm. um, when you look at like the market for this upcoming season as for wide receivers, there really isn't a whole lot like compared yeah. to a a healthy OBJ. I mean, you got your best receiver. I don't I don't even know. Like I think Juju, um mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry. But again, yeah, there's there's no one that really on this free agent list up for this upcoming season that compares to OBJ. So I think from an opportunity perspective, Dallas goes for it for this multi-year deal. It is risky, but um, I think I think it's the right move to go ahead and sign him if if he's open to coming to Dallas, which it looks like he certainly is.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the biggest thing that we've been seeing is teams having to trade for these different making wide receivers. I mean, you see Tyreek, AJ Brown, fetching first rounders and stuff like that. Um, and you're getting someone like OBJ who. He's not Tyreek, he's not AJ Brown, but he is a difference maker. Um that's 100%. He's always going to be a dis- difference maker. Um and if you can get him on a free agent deal, um where you can kind of negotiate, dictate dictate kind of a little bit, Jerry Jones can work his magic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um I think then uh you it's it's optimal for the Cowboys because they're really looking good this season i mean the defense look good dak is healthy um the offensive line is looking good um even without tyron smith um and i think you if you're jerry jones you're you have to maximize your this championship window and the best way to do that is by signing obj yeah
1: there, there's really no other there's no reason not to unless mm-hmm. the price that he's asking for way out of the water because yeah, I don't know what receiver in the market that you can overpay and look at it as a good trade because or as a good signing because I think you look at this season with Christian Kirk in Jacksonville, he mm-hmm. got really big money and he's putting up solid numbers, but I'm still yeah. not sure he's worth all that money. The Jaguars are still losing, and he and during the course of their games, like Christian Kirk hasn't been like a, a threat let's say, the defense is like, they, they still look at, say, Jones equally as amount, amount of times. Mm-hmm. Um, So, I, I mean, if you're going to pay Juju a lot, which I don't know if that's even going to happen because it seems like he's doing great in KC. You got DJ Chark, who's solid, but first year in Detroit, and he's, while he's been on the field, he's playing good. Sterling Shepard, while he's a great receiver, is injury prone. <laughs> so, I think that you have to... Look at like from a futuristic standpoint. Uh huh. What's going to work out best for this team, and that—that's OBJ at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think you just—you basically just listed it out there. I mean, there's no better option than OBJ if you want to improve the team right now. Um, because you are gearing. It seemed, at least in my opinion, a little bit. Um, before the season started, you were making big trades. Um people thought you were going to sign Tyron Smith, maybe some other big receiver. You go trade Amari Cooper. You let Cedric Wilson walk. Um, It didn't seem like you were kind of gearing up for that um, playoff run, championship run, but now, now you definitely are. I mean, you've have had multiple convincing victories now over the Vikings, the Colts. um, And you're basically Jerry Jones has to be 100% on board. Um, so yeah, I think the time is now. Um and moving on to another probably the biggest game of the weekend, Kansas City Chiefs versus Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Cincy has had Kansas City's number for I think it was the last three or four games they've since he has won, um, in their meetings with Kansas City. And this one, I don't know, it just Kansas City just didn't seem convincing. Um Cincinnati had played well. Um, but yeah, what what are your what are your takes on this game? I think like a lot of people have said, like
1: for the future, like this matchup's gonna be a Manning Brady type game, and it always has mm. been for the last, I think, three times since he's won by a field goal. And yeah. it, it it's great to see those two quarterbacks do out, but from the Chiefs perspective, I don't think it's something huge to worry about. Um yeah. Cincinnati has become a tough place to play now. And to go there they didn't even play their best Mahomes didn't in that first half especially to barely lose there by uh three points I think it's not a win but um it's not something to hang your head on and I think it, it's just that matchup like I said it's just gonna be great going down the road it's two great teams going at it and um I think the Bengals like they a lot of people haven't been looking at them after those early season struggles but burrow's still playing really really good and they just got got jamar Jamar. chase back exactly so i think like always for the future they're going to be a tough threat especially this year too
0: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure definitely i mean cincinnati if we're looking at the playoff picture i mean it's them and baltimore um fighting for that division divisional spot but i think it's is they're both making it into the playoffs in my opinion um and then you're just looking at how they're playing they've you can tell they they've been playing starting to get their groove um J- with Jamar coming back i mean you have that number 1 receiver um and then even even in this game you didn't have Mixon so that's another player and P R- Samaje Puna R- has, has been playing really well oh yeah um and i th- i thought one of the things that was really good to see was was Jamar Chase playing well he had 97 yards um re- 97 receiving yards which i thought was good to see because that connection with Joe, Joe Burrow has been a little bit, has been a little slower. Um, we haven't seen the I mean, that's the thing, like consistent games from him. But at the same time, the Bengals weren't like this team that lost three games last season. They, they lost a few games. And I think that's what made their run so special. And I think that's what makes the Bengals so special is that that in playoff time, they can they can turn it up. They and they also have that offensive line now, and I think that's what this team. When you're looking at it, that's why they're always going to be contender, and I think that's why they have a chance to be up there with the Ravens, with the Chiefs, um, with with the bank, with the sorry, with the Dolphins. I think that's that's where you have to put them. Um, so yeah, I think both teams. This was just I feel like a preview for what we might see in the playoffs, um, which. It's great because that was a, it was a great game.
1: Yeah, and this AFC like on top of the Bengals and uh, Kansas City have a lot of great teams to look at. You got Miami, Buffalo, Baltimore, potentially the Chargers, um, Tennessee, and I, mm-hmm. I think this AFC these playoffs are going to be more entertaining this than last year. But yeah, like you said. It's just a potential playoff matchup that we're going to have to
0: look out for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Most definitely. Um, and I think just wrapping it up, um, I, uh, kind of just, just wanted your thoughts on a team that has, uh, lost cause I know this quarterback has a soft spot in your heart. Um, I want to talk about the whole Baker Baker Mayfield fiasco. <laughs> um, getting released by Carolina, signed by L A. Rams. Now, um, do you think he'll have success in L A. because he he has the quarterback seat right because Matthew Stafford is out for a little bit. Um, yeah, he's wait, done for the year. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's done for the year. So Baker basically has that Rams. Do you think he can turn around the ship do do something at all? I mean, I. I would start I would Luricio San Fran that he went to because they have the
1: pieces, they have the coach that can really mm-hmm. turn Baker around. And I'm not saying the Rams don't, but those pieces just aren't there right now. Cooper Cup's done for the year. Allen Robinson's done for the year. That O line has been depleted. They've been terrible this year. Yeah. Like I, I think there's a chance he turns it around under McVeigh, but like I I just don't know how how big that turnaround is gonna be, if it's gonna be if it's going to be a turnaround big enough to like change the narrative around him because he's not mm-hmm. really working with receivers. I don't think this receivers group is better than the one he's going to have, it, the one he had in Carolina. Yeah, like, this... He's got Tyler Higby as his tight end, Skrowanik, um, yeah. Van
0: Jefferson, that might
1: be about Van it. Van Jefferson, he, yeah. Van Jefferson. Out so well. yeah. Th- there's a chance he turns it around, but like this O-line just hasn't been good this year. It's not looking bright, but... I will try to look on the positive side of things and hopefully Sean McVay uh, can can use his tactics to help, help turn this, not the season around, but just this quarterback play for Baker. But I really wish it was San Francisco, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that would... I think, in my opinion, too, I agree with you. I think he, he would be better suited in San Francisco. But I think, at the same time, L.A., there's no pressure, really. I mean, there wasn't pressure at Carolina was there. But there's no job pressure, I guess. We could say yeah. that. Um and that might be better now, for him, honestly. It's just can you play? I mean he has he just can he play? That's the big question, right? Um They're just they're gonna put him out there. He's gonna have a coach who can coach, um who most definitely is um a coach and I think I mean who's been playing really well. Um and I think it's it's um important for the for the entire team um to to play well um well i i I think it's important for the entire team to play well but i think also for baker i think he just needs to show some kind of improvement um and i think that's that's all he needs to do just just show some kind of improvement i think just to get some kind of self-confidence back and i think that's the base thing um And yeah i think that's where we're gonna end it um thank you guys so much for watching um you can read articles from us at rewind that com. um we're on instagram twitter tiktok any social media that you can think of um and um yeah we we put we try and post um try and post these messages try and post these podcasts daily um my bad weekly um and thank you guys so much for watching. Um, Have a great day, peace.